in-depth and God-filled conversations with some of the brightest names in contemporary Christian music and worship. This is The Artist Interview with Gordon T. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my absolute privilege and pleasure to normally bring you artists from the world of contemporary Christian music and worship. But this week, we have segued a little bit. We're bringing to you none other than Scott Brickle. Now, he is a mastermind at managing bands, and he's got some stories to tell for sure. Uh, and also, there's a real reason for bringing him on the show as well, because he has a heart and a passion for other people to get launched into the music business, uh, to follow Jesus's calling, and to see those be fruitful and successful rather than crashing and burning. So he's got a book all about it. So, but before we meet him, let's hear a track which is an absolutely iconic track. It's from a band he managed. It's Mercy Me with their track, I Can Only Imagine. I can only imagine by Mercy Me, a band that's been managed by Scott Brickle. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on today. It's an honor, sir. I, I, it was a pleasure to meet you briefly uh, on the set of a Micah Tyler video out in Nashville a few weeks ago. And uh, thank you for, for agreeing to come on the show. Before we dive in too much to stories of artists and, and look at your book in, in a little bit, could you tell us a bit about your own personal testimony? How did you come to be a Christian? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church. My uh, my folks um, took me to to church every Sunday, and uh, I would say um, around the age of twelve, we had a, a revival. And on Thursday night of the revival um, that week, I uh, walked down forward and gave my heart to Christ. And probably four years later, um, gave my life to Christ from the standpoint of uh, serving Him. I thought I would be a youth pastor. I thought that's what I was uh, committing to, but. As it turns out, I'm serving Christ in a whole different way. For sure, uh, and and it's been quite a journey. I I and I am amazed at some of the artists that you've worked. But you're kind of normally a very much a behind the scenes guy, aren't you? People don't normally see that much of you. Can you tell us your ten favorite bands that you've managed? Oh my goodness! Well, Mercy Me, uh, Audio Adrenaline, um, Bill Wickham. Switchfoot, Micah Tyler, a um, couple new artists that I'm working with, um, Aveth Luna and uh, Micah Christopher. Um, they're, they're brand new that I just think are phenomenal. Um, Ren Collective, they're fun. You know, they love to have wow. a good time, right? <laughs> um, uh, Monk and Neagle, uh, they're some art, they're an acoustic duo that I worked with back in the day. Um, what is that? Is that eight or nine? It's got to be pretty close uh, yeah, to it's ten. Like, it's it, it's and that's an extraordinary list, though, of some some huge talent. Um, and clearly, the role of a manager is something that makes such a huge difference to the success of a band. Can you tell us for, for those listeners maybe who aren't quite sure what what is it you actually do? 
So as a manager, uh, my job is to be the go-between between the artist and everybody. So uh, most, you know, all the artists I work with are signed to a label. So I'm the go-between between the artist and the label. Um, also the, uh, the artist and the booking agent, the artist and the, um, producer, the artist and the promoter. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of the, you know, if you look at the artist as the hub of the wheel, I'm the spoke between the artist and everybody that they interact with, including fans. And how did you get the skill set to do that? Well, I started off just by serving. Like I, I, uh, I, I grew up, um, on swim team when I was in grade school and uh, a buddy of mine that was uh, like five years older ended up becoming an artist. And I ended up helping him whenever I got into high school, just, uh, you know, on weekends, just going out for free and driving and setting up and, and, and selling merch and kind of being a, a high school roadie. And that just led to me continuing to, to meet people in Nashville, including his manager. And that led me moving to Nashville and, uh, and starting to work, you know, with other artists in town. And uh, really just from the standpoint of what do the artists need and how can I help them, you know, with, with those things that they need and trying to make them as uh, in, in as good a place as possible so that when they take the stage, they can just pour it all out and, and you know, serve, serve, the, uh, serve the fans from the stage. And so to me, it's always been about serving and, and just trying to help the artist in, in whatever way they need. In fact, it's amazing. You started just doing it on a voluntary basis. Uh, it, it sounds, and when people talk about the music industry, they have like a perception, oh, that sounds really glamorous. Wouldn't it be great to do this with the music industry? I can imagine it's a lot of hard graft as well. Can you tell us maybe about some of the times when it's been disappointing and you felt like just giving up? Well, a lot of times people will come to me and they'll go, hey, you know, I, I think I want to be in the music business, you know, or I want to be an artist or whatever. And I'm like, if you can do anything else, what what would you do? And if they can answer that question and like, oh, I'd be a teacher or I'd go, you know, work at my dad's tire shop or whatever, I immediately tell them to go do that because it is hard. And I, I wouldn't, I, you know, this is a little graphic, but um, uh, one of the hardest days is we were having radiator trouble and uh, we were trying to make it to the next show and we had run out of, you know, water to pour in the radiator. And so we had to urinate into the radiator in order, in order to make it to the next show. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I had not seen coming. That is a story and a half. And, and, and did you make it there? We did. We, we made it to the, <laughs> to the next truck stop and immediately filled up all of our water bottles so that we could make it <laughs> wow. the last hour to the show. We, we, we made it there and, and, and got, the, you know, got the show up. So. Which band was that, if you don't mind naming them? <laughs> that was Brian Becker. That was the artist that I worked with first. Uh, I was first volunteering to help him out. Yeah, we he had a little <laughs> a little radiator trouble. So <laughs> well, that is genuine commitment to the cause. So I think a lot of people would have given up, Rob. I wouldn't even know to do that. So um, so that is genius. I love it. Okay, so so things go wrong. What about some of the highs? I know how, how many how long is your career span now? I mean, I'm over 30 years in Nashville and in the business, um, you know, Dove Awards, uh, American Music Awards, Grammy Awards, like all the award shows are obviously, you know, fun nights. Um, being able to stand side stage while your artists play at Red Rocks or Radio City or the Gorge out in Washington, you know, some of these big, you know, Christian music festivals with 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 people. Like those are just some of the some of the highs for sure. Um but also just, you know, to me every night, just looking out into the crowd and just seeing people's faces and, and knowing that, you know, what, what you're doing is, is, you know, helping them get through a time where they need hope 
or they need um, some guidance or they need, you know, some forgiveness for themselves, you know, just grace. Like, you know, to see, to see people's faces on a nightly basis is a, is a high for me every night for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, there hasn't been much that hasn't, I haven't been able to accomplish or, you know, been a part of um, in, in my career that, that people would say, have you ever, my answer is probably, yeah, I have. <laughs> including a radiator and stuff. Right. So, um, okay. So, uh, and with regards to, you just mentioned seeing people's faces, are there any stories that you know of the way that um, fans have been impacted by the music that your artists have played? You know, the stories that, that kind of make it to us eventually usually come from radio stations who say, you know, we had this listener that, you know, drove to the station because they were, that decided it wasn't worth it anymore and they were headed to a bridge or a cliff or, you know, whatever. And they turned on the radio and all of a sudden they heard a song from, you know, coming through their, the, the airways that changed their life and, and, and gave them, you know, some hope that they were needing to, to, um, you know, fight another day. And, um, so those usually come through the radio stations and, you know, you'll meet a guy every once in a while that maybe has some, some tattoos of some lyrics on his forearm or, or whatever. And, and, you know, they, they've, uh, they've been through some stuff, but yeah, I mean, to me just, you know, music has the ability to open up your soul and it's got the key to your soul that nothing else can open. And, um, you know, it's, it's music's also a time machine. Like it can take you to the day you got married, the day your kid were, was born, you know, your high school graduation, um, all those things. And so, you know, to me, it's just such an amazing tool. Um, that, you know, I just, I love being a part of it. I love helping, you know, artists achieve the maximum that they can when it comes to you know, creating the music and, and writing the lyrics and, and trying to figure out, you know, the best snare drum to use or whatever. And so it's just been a, a blast to be a part of it and, and, and see, you know, it actually changed people's lives and, and the hope that it gives people is just, you know, unprecedented. Like there's, there's nothing else I've seen that could give people hope like music. Well, I think that's entirely true. In fact, just recently I heard two testimonies of people who um, weren't Christians, but had, they heard on a normal radio station some Christian music being played and it totally changed things for them. So um, exciting the way that the music can just impact people's lives who have got no idea what they're about to listen to is going to be so significant. But uh, it's the, the truth that's in it and God's power and love in, in the music. Uh, Life-changing stuff. Absolutely great. So... Can you tell us a quick, quick bit about I Can Only Imagine, uh, the movie? Because I've seen the movie. It's awesome. It did actually really well in, in the cinemas. It, it did very well on, on, its, on its turnover. It's the profit level for the amount that it cost to make, didn't it? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it, it far exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I call it a $100 million movie. I think it was... 80 something million in the box office. And, and, you know, since it's released to home entertainment and, and all that, it's, it's exceeded a hundred million dollars. And, you know, I want to say they made it for seven and a half million or something. And so, uh, then they maybe spend another 10 on marketing or whatever, but, um, you know, it, it did, it did really well. And, and again, it just goes back to hope. Like I think the, the, the song or the, the song, that is, you know, the movie's about and talks about hope and, and the movie itself just, you know, it, it t talks about hope and, and Bart's relationship with his dad and how it was horrible and how, you know, Bart didn't want to have anything to do with his dad. And, uh, you know, Jesus got a hold of his dad and, and totally turned him around to the point where Bart's like, 
if Jesus can do that for my dad, then, you know, I'm, I'm all in. And so he just, he just has continued to, to try to bring hope through, through his songs and through his music to, uh, to everybody that he, that he comes in contact with. And your relationship with, with Bartman and Mercy Me, was that really right back from, from near the start of them going out? Tell us about how that came about. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the movie it, it tried to take twenty years and cram it into an hour and forty eight minutes. So they, you know, they had to shift the timeline a little bit. I actually met Mercy Me at an Audio Adrenaline show. They were they were opening for for um, Audio Adrenaline um, in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and I gave them my card and I said, you know, if you guys ever need any help, I'd be happy to help you. And it was about a three year period between me meeting them for the first time and Bart writing Imagine and Amy Amy Grant wanting to cut it. And kind of, you know, you, you saw what happened in the in the movie there. But um, it was about a three-year period where Bart, you know, he called me about once a month for the first year, once a week for the second year, and about once a day for the third year. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, it, it all worked out in the end, but it got it got a little little uh, annoying there whenever Bart would call me every day and be like, <laughs> hey, what do you think about this? And I'd be like, great, dude, you know. So, but, you know, I mean, you just, if, you, if you've ever met Bart, he's just a, a lovable dude. And you just want to root for him. You know, you want to help him. You want to, you know, do all you can to, you know, try to, try to help the guy out. And so, um, it was clear to me, he, you know, he, he had a, a deep well in being able to write and being able to communicate with people and, and just be being comfortable on stage. And, um, you know, that's proven to be the case, you know, over the years. I mean, he just, he, if you ever been to a Mercy Me show, you, you walk away, you know, changed not only by the, uh, by the songs, but also by what Bart communicates, just what he, you know, what he says between songs. So, well, uh, now this, this show goes out in multiple countries, um, including the UK, mercy me. How many times have they come to the UK to go to a show? Well, uh, not a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of the troubles, isn't it? Because, because America is such a big place with such vast um, auditoriums and huge audiences that it's actually hard for for some of the big bands to justify coming over this side of the ponds. It's it's not the same market, is it? What I say is we, we waited too long to try. And uh, you know, once, once we got to a certain point and you know, when, when we, when we released, I can only imagine like it took off and, um, you know, just the machine got too big to try to carry it all over, over, you know, over the pond, so to speak. And, um, you know, we've tried several times and it just, you know, and, and, you know, wives and kids and, you know, school schedules and, you know, there's just, there's just too many opportunities in the United States. And so, I mean, we've tried like, several times in the last couple of years to try to make something work. And I feel like we will eventually work it out. Um, but it just hasn't worked out yet, but you know, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm rooting for that to happen. So otherwise I'm going to have too. to get, I'm going to have to get on a plane over to the States to get to a show before I'm missing the whole lot. That'd be awful. So um, yeah. Okay. I, I hope, I hope you can get here. Not going to keep mentioning it, but don't forget big church festival. Okay, I'm only saying it once. Right, okay. So which which instrument was you. you you mentioned there eighty, ninety, hundred thousand at some of the festivals in the States. So Big Church Festival beginning to nudge forty thousand is probably the biggest thing in Europe, I think. So it's it is a different magnitude. So I'm I am sympathetic. And any listeners that are listening thinking, Oh, the Christian music scene's all just about money. You know, I hear this criticism sometimes and people go, Oh, it's really bad. I would like to say that I really do want to see artists being successful. I have nothing against artists making money. An awful lot of Christian artists don't make much money. 
uh, Scott, what, what advice do you have for artists that at the moment are going, I haven't got two beans to rub together? Yeah, I mean, the, the hardest part about Christian music is it a, it's 100% ministry and it's 100% business. And, you know, you just, you can't separate the two. And, and unfortunately it's a hundred percent of both of those. And, you know, we're, we're out there trying to do shows in the same venues that all the pop artists are, you know, take Taylor Swift out of it. Cause she's in, you know, arena or in stadiums, but, you know, for the most part, we're, we're competing against, um, you know, pop artists, country artists, Christian artists, and we're all playing the same arenas and we're all trying to rent the same buses and the same, you know, uh, lights and sound and video walls. And, you know, they don't give us a Christian discount, right. Because we're, we're Christian. Like they're going to, they're, they're, those are businesses that are, are trying to uh, maximize, you know, their, their investment on their equipment. So they're going to go with, uh, you know, the, the artists that can afford to pay the most. And so we're constantly in competition with them, but you know, if you, if you're out there trying to survive, like, um, you know, just keep doing it. Like you're going to be told no a lot. You're going to be, you know, discouraged. You're going to be frustrated. Um, but just keep singing. You know, every time I sign, I sign my book, I write, keep singing in the front of it because, uh, you're told no so many times. I want you to hear a voice from somebody that, you know, really believes in, you know, the, the ability to just persevere, be tenacious and keep singing. And, uh, you know, not everybody is put on this earth to sell out arenas. Um, you know, some people are here to sing for the local church. Some people are here to sing for the local, um, church, uh, youth group or their church camp or their disciple now weekend or their lock-in weekend or whatever. And, you know, we need artists in all those places, not just on stage in an arena or in a stadium or in a theater. And so, you know, be content with where God has you and, um, know that he, he has you there for a reason. And, you know, he, he, he might have bigger plans for you, or this might be it. You know, you might, you might um, be leading worship at your local church for the rest of your life. And, and, uh, if that's you know what he has for you, then, then, um, you know, I, I hope that you're able to, to find the joy in that and, and able to serve in that way, because, um, there is a lot to be said for singing in the local church and, and ministering to your local community and, and congregation, um, by just, you know, working hard and, and getting up early Sunday morning and doing three services or whatever it is. And, and, um, you know, being, being, uh, the voice to the local church. I mean, that's, that's one of the most important things I think any artist can do or any, any singer can do. So, um, don't, don't look at that as a, um, a negative, look at it as a, you've been, you've been given a gift and the responsibility. And so take it serious. Wow. Good words. In fact, let's find out about church for you because you, I would guess a certain amount of your year must be spent on the road with with the guys you're managing. So how how does church fit in for you around that? That's tough. I mean, you know, when we tour, I mean, usually an artist tours in the fall and the spring and maybe a summer run, and so that takes out a lot of Sundays because you know we're we're paying for production weekly, and so we have to do usually the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night shows in order for it to uh, financially make sense. And, um, that, that takes you out a lot. And even if you're only doing a, a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you know, you usually don't get home, you know, the next morning in time to hit church. And so, uh, it definitely makes it tough, but, um, it's, uh, it's, 
it's gotten a lot better with, uh, I mean, COVID was, was not great, but it was good from the standpoint of every church now live streams. Yeah. And, and most of them now, um, archive it. Right. So you can either catch it, you know, while it's happening, or you can, you know, go back after sound check that afternoon and, uh, and catch, you know, the preaching or the you know worship or whatever it is that, you know, you, you, you really need that day. And, uh, so that's been good. And you just try to stay connected as much as you can. Um, you know, my wife's been very good about, you know, helping our kids get to church and, 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 uh, stay connected through the church. And so I'll come home some days and I'll be walking in the door exhausted and they're all walking out the door to go to church and I'll go, I'll, <laughs> I'll see you at lunch, you know, and I'll go in and turn on the live stream and, and, you know, try to unpack and, you know, get, get ready to, uh, you know, be a part of the family for the rest of the week. But I need an hour or two to kind of, you know, get unpacked and get some laundry done and, I'll have the church live streamed and then we'll meet, meet up for lunch and then we're off to the races. So, um, it's important to have a, a spouse that's uh, supportive and, you know, more importantly, like is, is in the calling with you, you know, and my wife definitely has been, she's been supportive of me from day one. Even when I started my management company, we had just found out we were pregnant with our first child. And, and I'm like, I think I'm supposed to start my own management company. And she said, go for it. So, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot of women that would have looked at that situation, you know, and gone, yeah, that's, that's a good time to start a management company yeah. and start your own business. So step um, of faith for sure. And exactly. very supportive. And I really like that. I, I read your bio uh, earlier on today uh, and the last bit of it. So having gone on about numbers of things, which are like really amazing things to have happened. And then it says, most importantly, Scott has four beautiful children and has been a loving husband to his sweetheart, Stacy for 28 years. I thought, what a beautiful thing to put most importantly. It's great, isn't it? When you have that family uh, there for you. And I guess, uh, I guess, how old are your children now? My oldest is 24. My youngest is 13. And and have they been able to come on the road you from time to time to see all this stuff behind the scenes? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're not able to jump on the bus per se, but, um, you know, they've, they've been to Red Rocks, they've been to Radio City, they've been, you know, they go to the Dove Awards and the K-Love Awards with me every year. Um, they were a little young to go to the American Music Awards whenever Mercy Me won back, uh, back in the day, but, um, they've been to a lot of shows. Um, my, my daughters love to go to the Grammys. You know, they think that's just the greatest thing ever. So I try as often as I can, you know, and, and nowadays with, school the way it's online like it's not near as hard as it used to be so um yeah we just we just try to figure it out and and spend as much time as we can together and you know they're they've they've always been supportive and they you know they love what i do and i mean you know whenever your your kids are into lecrae and andy minio and and i've got andy minio coming out on on tour dates with us that that helps being the cool dad right so. yeah for sure <laughs> i can i can see that um we've got we've got we got time for just a couple more questions and then another track for you. What's the thing that God's taught you most through being a father? Um, man, um, I think it was Andy Stanley that said, prepare, um, you know, as much, uh, be, be it, be as intentional as you can when you walk in the door after a hard day's work as you were about going to work that day. You know, we, we plan our work day out, we plan meetings and we plan all the things that we're going to try to get done um, during the day. Well, he, he's like, be as intentional about planning things with your family. Um, you know, so when you walk in the door at five, it's not like a blank slate of, you know, I just need to take a break and, you know, try to rest that night, like be intentional about the things that you're going to do with your family. And, and so I've tried to do that. I haven't, I haven't done it, you know, that 
that great every night, but I've tried to be intentional about, you know, being in their lives and being in their friends' lives and understanding where they're at and, and, and lining up some fun things to do. And, um, you know, that's something that I, I learned early on whenever my kids were really young. And so that's, that's definitely helped me out a lot is just, you know, uh, plan some stuff, you know, research it and, and book some play days and book some, you know, park days and hiking days and, you know, camping days and be spontaneous and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's definitely, uh, allowed me to have what I consider a great relationship with my kids. Oh, so valuable, so precious uh, and great idea as well, planning it all. It is easy to plan everything else in life and not that. Can I ask you right. about being a father and also being a band manager? So sometimes with bands, you're doing the business where you're working out all the stuff, but is there also a sort of a fatherly element to managing these these band members? Yeah, I mean, you know, my, my uh, goal has to always been to um, try to, take my artist ideas and, and implement them and at least give it a shot or give it as, as good a shot as I can. Um, and so, you know, whenever, whenever I clearly hear a bad idea, it's hard for me to just shut it down because I want my artists to feel like they've been heard. And I want my artists, you know, to, to, to go all the way through to the end of their idea. So, you know, I'll, I'll be slow to shut an idea down and, and just kind of monitor the progress of the idea and and hopefully they're 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 at some point will go yeah this is, this doesn't feel like a good idea does it <laughs> so you know I mean it can be anything from a music video idea to you know a song idea or an album cover or whatever and uh, you you just try to encourage them to you know really um, you know is is the idea coming from them is it coming from God is it coming from a a place of you know uh, selfishness and and um, you know self-promotion or is it really coming from a place of, uh, you know, this is, this is a God idea and this is, uh, you know, about serving the song that is a God given song. So, um, but it's definitely a, uh, a back and forth relationship. Um, I, I try to, I try to nurture the relationship like, like I would, you know, a marriage, uh, so to speak. And I, I view a manager and an artist, um, you know, relationship very much like a marriage. There's a lot of give and take and, um, but you know, whenever at the end of the day, you know, you want what's best for each other and, and, uh, you just try your best to, um, to, you know, help the artist in any way you can to, to reach those, the goals that they feel like they're supposed to. Well, sounds like a great heart to have. I bet you it makes a world of difference. We've got another track. It's called big house by audio adrenaline. What, why did you choose this track? What's the history behind it? I mean, it's it, our audio adrenaline was the first artist that I managed. Um, it was their biggest hit. Um, it, you know, it turned their career into a 15 year career, no doubt about it. And uh, it's just a fun youth group kind of upbeat song. Uh, if if you if you've heard it before, you probably know the hand motions that go along with it. So uh, enjoy.
And that was Big House by Audio Adrenaline. Wow, what a track. Uh, and of course, Audio Adrenaline managed previously by none other than Scott Brickle, who's still here for the artist interview. Scott, thanks for all you've shared so far, the highs and some of the struggles, some of the crazy things that have happened as well. It'd be great right now if you're happy just to pray for listeners. Sure, absolutely. Then, Father, we just ask you today to uh, be with the listeners and uh, be with them where they're at. Um, let them know that there is hope. Let, let them know that you do love them. Let them know that um, you uh, you do have plans for their life, uh, plans that they probably can't see right now. But we just um, we just pray that they'll get up every morning and ask you what they're supposed to do today, and uh, be led by you and the Holy Spirit, and that you will um, you'll continue to just uh, send angels around them to protect them and guide them and direct them in all that they do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Scott. You know, it's great to get to pray for people, make such a difference. Uh, and God is always there. He's always got our back. He's always Absolutely. lifting us forward. But also, he does He does let us make mistakes. Like, like you were saying about letting people ride out their ideas. Um, and it's great when we can submit our thinking to God and just let him, let him speak those words over us that help and encourage and guide us along the way. So talking about guiding people along the way, you have written a book, and it's a book well, it's probably a book that's, that's really been due for some while, so I'm glad that you've written it. It's called The Business Behind the Song. Tell us about the book. Why, why did you write it? And then we can dive into some of the topics. Yeah, so I've given the same talk um, hundreds of times to you know new artists or potential artists. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll get a call, hey, uh, my daughter can sing or my son's you know been in the worship team for forever. And He's about to, you know, graduate high school and he he says he wants to do music and we want him to go to college. And, you know, we just, you know, what kind of advice do you have? And so I've given the same talk just about if you do want to be an artist, kind of how to get in the business. And and it, you know, it's kind of a it's not a step by step, but it's sort of one of the ways you could flow from being a want to be an artist to maybe a songwriter, and that could lead to maybe you being an artist on a label, and that could lead to you meeting a producer and what all he does and getting an album done or some songs done, and 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 then the, the label handles all the marketing and, and radio promotions and, you know, just on and on and on to producers, to distribution company, um, booking agent, promoters, a PR team, a merch team, a road team. And all the things that are, uh, you know, that go into an artist's career, and 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 really all the jobs that there are in the music business. And when I, when I had first kind of wrapped the book up, we were trying to trying to come up with a title, and I just threw out sort of jokingly, but I said, you know, why don't we name it the 182 jobs in the music business? And at the end of each chapter, um, I had listed a list of of uh, of jobs that would you know, sort of be associated with that chapter. And one of my staff went through and counted them all. And he's like, Hey, um, there are 182 jobs exactly that you list. Whoa. <laughs> and I had just thrown it out as a, you know, a number. And I don't know if that's exactly what we have in there now. Cause you know, we've, we've edited the book a little bit and maybe added some more, taken away some, but, um, there's just so many jobs in and around the music business. And, um, it started off as a talk to, um, to the artist, but now, now I've turned it into a, Hey, you know, there's plenty of jobs. You know, if you, if you want to be in, in the music business, you know, you could sell merch on the road, you could work at a label, you could be a producer, you could work at a booking agent. And, uh, it really is sort of all encompassing. And when I first came to town, I knew the road life because I, that's really all I had, all I, all I had done 
was, you know, set up, tear down, sell merch, drive, you know, sort of, you know, the, the high school roadie kind of thing. And when I first came to town, it, I really didn't understand what everybody else did. And, um, it took me probably about six years to really understand how it all worked. And if I'd had this book, I definitely feel like I'd had a jump start on, you know, not only just how jobs work, you know, with, with each other in the, in the business, but also I have a pretty extensive glossary in the, in the book, uh, on some of the terms. and, And that's pretty important for people to understand the terms and, and that way you don't get lost in a conversation. But, um, yeah, it was fun to do. Um, I, uh, I never thought I'd write a book cause I'm not much of a book guy. Um, but when COVID hit, it was like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to write this book. So that's whenever I got started and wrapped it up uh, about a year ago and and here we are releasing it. So it's, it's been fun. So just released or well, April, 2023. So, so it's fresh off the, the press, so to speak. Um, right. I I'm guessing people can get it on Amazon if possible, okay. I'd encourage people to go to a Christian bookshop and see if they can buy it there. Will it be available in Christian bookshops? It's distributed by Simon Schuster. So, um, you know, it just depends on if, if, uh, the, the store has, has shipped it out. But if you're in a, a Christian bookstore, you can ask and they can probably get a hold of it. That's yeah. it's out there everywhere. That, that is, that is great news. So what the structure within it, what sorts of topics does it cover? Yeah. So it's a label. Um, like I, I think, I think, you know, when I was talking about the artist is the center of the, of the wheel and managers are the spoke and then all the things on the outer edge, I think there's like 15 topics, but it really, it really is, you know, there's an artist section, a manager section, a label section, a producer section, um, booking agent, uh, promoter, um, the artist team is kind of like the road team. You know, you, you could have a monitor engineer, front of house engineer, stage manager, um, road manager, tour manager, wardrobe guy, um, set designer, you know, you got the social media, you know, that's, that's a whole new, new world. Um, well, not extremely new, but you know, new as far as when, when I first started, um, uh, you got the PR team, like there's just all the different elements that, um, that, you know, you could bump into in and around the music business. Wow. Okay. So it covers the whole smorgasbord of different roles and opportunities, I guess, understanding it is really probably key to being able to operate within it. Uh, if people are thinking, oh, I want to, I want to maybe get an internship or that sort of thing. Are there particular areas that, that or ways that they can go about getting them? How do you recommend people get that first break in the music industry? Yeah. So, um, there are some internships in Nashville. Um, a, a lot of labels will, will, uh, post those and, and have relationships with maybe a college to do internships, but, Honestly, like what I tell people is, you know, just volunteer for a local show that's coming through your town. You know, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to buy a flight, get a hotel or live somewhere for a summer. Like just, just volunteer to your local show, get to know a local promoter who's putting on local shows and just volunteer to sell merchandise or be a runner or, you know, help backstage, help in the box office, um, you know, help uh, load and unload gear and, and just start, you know, start there to just see if it really is something that you're you're interested in, and then maybe there's a you know a chance to um, go on the road with somebody uh, for like a full time basis or a part time basis as a as a second merch person or a production assistant. You know, we 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 have all kinds of sort of introductory jobs um, in our in our business for someone that doesn't have a lot of experience but wants to be on the road, and then. You know, as far as living in Nashville or coming into New York or LA, like, you know, there's, there's record labels, there's booking agents. Um, 
promoters don't all live in the bigger cities. Like some promoters live in the smaller cities. So, you know, if you can get an internship with one of them in, in a, in a different town, but, um, you know, a, I would say the label is probably the one that has the best opportunity for internships. And most of those are Nashville, LA or New York. Okay. That gives, gives, gives the destinations people might want to consider. I think, I think I've got to say, I haven't been to national. I was, I thought national was amazing. There was just like every day there was new people I was meeting. There's new opportunities. It's such a crazy music city. Well, it's called music city, but it, it deserves the title because just everything seemed to be going on. So I don't know about the other places you've labeled, but I could definitely give uh, Nashville a big thumbs up. Uh, it was, it was an epic time. So often people learn from making mistakes from your own experience of being a manager. What have been the hard mistakes that you've learned from? Um, yeah, I mean, I still make mistakes. And so uh, I think if I, if I were to write a book just about business, I would say the key to my success is failure. Um, and I've, I've just, you know, I've, I've done so many, you know, things where I, you know, I thought we could do this and we didn't and it didn't work out or whatever, but, you know, as long as you learn from your mistakes and can keep moving forward, um, you know, live, live to fight another day. I say, um, you know, that's, that's the part that you gotta, you, you really gotta focus on, you know, do the next right thing. As my grandma used to say, like, don't, don't get caught up in the shame of the mistakes that you made, but, um, you know, just, just, uh, as long as you learn from them, then, uh, then that's really what the mistakes are about is, uh, helping you to, to keep moving forward and, and do do the next right thing and and do it different and and try it a different way and maybe a better way the next time. But um, as far as a specific mistake, <laughs> I think one of the bigger mistakes I made is um, I got a call to meet with Zach Williams and I had already um, had a, a business trip planned and uh, I was like, man, you know, I'm already on this business trip and so I'll, I'll catch him when I come back. And by the time I came back, he'd already signed a manager. So, oh. uh, that, that was a mistake, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know his manager, so I, I, you know, I love him to death. His name's Ryan Rattler and uh, he and I worked together um, during audio adrenaline day. So I, I don't hate it that, you know, they're, they're working together, but man, I, uh, I feel like if he and I would have met, we would have, we would have hit it off cause he's just a good dude, you know, just a good down home kind of guy. And yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously very talented. I think he actually is another example. He, he was listening to, uh, he was on, he was in a secular band on tour in Spain, I think in a transit van. And he heard, was it a track by Big Daddy Weave? I can't remember, but that, that is his story of, of how he came to, to, to God wow. um, by hearing a Christian track played on a secular radio station. So That's awesome. yeah, it really is awesome. So, um, okay. Um, can I ask a quick question about you and the Bible? So uh, you're out on the road, you've got all sorts of different things to do, but there must be times as well where you just sit down and you've got the Bible. Do you have a favorite Bible passage? And in fact, do you, is there a Bible story that sort of really you feel speaks to you? Huh. Yeah, so probably my favorite verse is 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another. Um, you know, to me, there's just not enough of that in this world. Uh, we can all find reasons to, you know, be annoyed at each other. But, you know, if we if we try to look through the lens of loving each other first, I think that's where we need to start. And then, um, man, I, I just, I love the story of Job. And, you know, he went through his whole deal. And I hope I can get through this without getting teary-eyed. But, you know, at the end, when Job questioned God, 
and and God kind of you know you you think he's going to be like oh man I was just you know testing you or whatever like God went like where were you like he turned it on him like where were you when I formed the the mountains and where were you when I was putting feathers on birds and where were you you know like all the and just kept hammering Job like what what do you what, you know you're questioning me like where were you and so I just think about that and I go man I'm I've got so many questions, but at the end of the day, you just got to have faith that that God do, does love you, and he he knows how many hairs you have on your head, and um, he he loves you more than we can ever imagine, and and he really does have a, a plan for you to prosper and to, um, you know, uh, he knows the 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 desires of your heart, and um, you know, you just got to let him do what he's going to do and know that, you know, as long as you get up every morning and let him guide you, that he's going to eventually, you're going to go through some peaks and some valleys. Um, and all those are going to help you, uh, in whatever career you're going to have or whatever spouse you're going to have, or, you know, whatever job you're going to have. And so, um, you know, I just, I just, I love the story and I love, you know, just to kind of put me in my place of, you know, when I think it's, it's, I've got things figured out or I've got, I've got things figured out or I, I feel like, you know, I should be doing this or that, you know, I just go, no, wait a minute. I'm not going to question God. I'm just going to be faithful and, and get up every morning and ask him what I'm supposed to, to do today. Keep him right in the middle of it all. Absolutely great. And looking back over your career, um, I hope there's still many years of it to come, I might add, but has there been some moments where, or just a particular incident where someone gave you some really wise advice that maybe helps you to set up a set a path. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it a little while ago. My my grandma told me um, to do the next right thing, and uh, I I think that has really served me well to not get um, too wrapped up in the in the guilt of making mistakes or, um, you know, just to accept the grace uh, that that God gives us. Um, I. Uh, you know, I've got, a, I mean, a truckload of uh, good advice from my dad over the years. Um, he he told me uh, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. <laughs> and and what he was saying is, uh, you know, any any problem you come up against, you know, don't get bogged down in how big the problem is. Just start chewing. You know, chew on chew on what you can what you can get a hold of and and start working on it. Um, yeah, I feel like I've. Uh, you know, I've, I've pulled, I've called, I've, I've used a lot of different, you know, people's uh, voices in my, in my ear over the years to, to try to just, you know, be as a good a person as I can to serve where I can and to, you know, forgive myself uh, every day. Cause I do make mistakes. Um, and just, you know, I, uh, I think there's a, a quote, I can't remember who said it, but, um, they said, if you're called to serve, uh, never stoop to be a king. And, um, you know, that's something that I've thought a lot about, like, that's a great saying. I've not heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that has guided me, uh, quite a bit as well. So, wow. I, I love it. I love it. And when, when your guys are on the road for like extended periods of times, do, do you have any type pastoral support going along with them or anything like that? Yeah, we, uh, at different times we've had different things. Like early in my career, I was out with, um, audio adrenaline and they, they toured with DC talk a lot and DC talk had a tour pastor. His name's Michael Guido and, uh, Guido uh, actually married me and my wife 28 years ago, this coming Saturday. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, it, there, there are a couple guys like that. Um, we also, um, 
you know, we've, we've had guys out on the road that would do Sunday Bible studies. Um, we do no sound check Sunday, just so we have, you know, that little extra time to get together and, and do a Bible study and, or, you know, just talk really. Um, but, um, it's important in my opinion to have a wife that, um, is, is encouraging in what you do and supportive in, um, in what you do and, uh, you know, is, is willing to, um, structure your sort of spiritual, um, moments around your schedule, uh, whether that's, you know, with, with being able to watch online, um, you know, she, she might go watch it in person and then, you know, watch it again with me online, you know, later in the week, or at least encourage me to watch, you know, some, you know, she'll, she'll tell me, Hey, we're doing this or that at church and helps, helps keep me connected, um, there with different, um, series that the pastor might be going through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. You got to be intentional about it. And if not, it'll, um, you know, time will get away from you. So, uh, I've learned to try to set, you know, a specific, a specific time each day or each week aside for that. If I'm not going to be able to participate on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It is about being intentional. It's very, very easy for life to cram in and push out the important stuff. So, sure. but if you're, if you're a music artist and, and the life's a little bit more chaotic, potentially, it's not necessarily quite so regimented as a normal nine to five job. I guess it's all the easier for time to just slip away from you. Sure. Talking of time slipping away from us, <laughs> we are coming towards the end of the episode, but we have got time for one more track. And it's by an artist who I've got to say is a real favorite of mine, Micah Tyler. Uh, so how did it come about your relationship with Micah? I got a call from uh, Phil Wickham's road manager. He said, Hey, you got to meet with this artist. Cause he had done some shows with, with, uh, with Phil and, uh, you know, um, Phil's road manager just called and said, Hey, he's going to be in town. Do you have any time to meet with him? And I did have one night that I could meet with him. So we met for dinner and I kind of walked him through that, you know, the talk that I had mentioned earlier, just about, you know, what it takes to, to be an artist. And, and, uh, he was at the beginning of his career, just trying to figure out, you know, how to get signed and, did he want to be a, a writer or an artist and all that kind of stuff? And um, I just went through the whole Prezi with him and um, sort of, you know, everything that's in the book. Um, and he has referenced it several times since, you know, he'll be like, now remember this and that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I told you that, that first night we met. And he goes, oh yeah. He goes, it, it definitely has helped steer his career. So, but yeah, we just met that first night and I signed him before I ever heard him sing. What? Really? Yeah, that's insane. So is that because <laughs> other people have told you how good he is? Because on here, he's got a cracking voice. Yeah, it was. When I say cracking, I don't mean cracking, yeah. breaking. I mean yeah. beautiful voice. Yeah, yeah. he. Uh, I mean, obviously, I knew he could sing because of of the uh, you know the road manager for for Phil had told me you know what a great guy he was. But um, I just I just loved him you know as a as a person, and I'm like, hey, I don't care if the guy is going to have a a big career or not. I just want to help him out. And so, you know, I just like, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to work with you and, you know, help you try to get a, get a publishing deal or a record deal or, or even if you just stay independent, like I'll do all I can for you. And so, uh, but it worked out within, you know, a couple months we had him a, a record deal going and um, you know, it's been off to the races ever since he's released eight songs and six of them have gone number one. So it's been a fun run. That and that is an amazing achievement and uh, uh, well deserved. Mike Tyler is just is really really great. And also, I I I know when I met him and when I've talked with him online and stuff, he is really really funny. 
He's really, really caring. Uh, and also, he, he likes to also poke fun at himself. So so when I met you, it, we were on the set of a video he's making. Now, I can't talk too much about it because it's not been released yet, but I have seen a, a preview of it. And it is a very funny video where he clearly is not taking himself too seriously. Uh, but it's a serious song as well. So is, I, I can imagine it's a great, a great laugh to be with. Has there been a moment when you've been with Micah, which is just like been one of those moments where you just can't stop laughing? Oh, just about every time I'm with him, like, uh, you know, uh, actually he and Bart from Mercy Me are both very, very lighthearted, um, you know, very quick witted. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the millennials video that he did um, a couple years ago, but uh, he did a spoof on a, a bunch of different songs. And if you haven't seen that, you need to look that up. Micah Tyler millennials video. And, um, but yeah, he's, he's always been, you know, like I, I almost, I, I, after a show, I'll, if I'm not on the bus with him, I've got to decide whether I'm going to go over to his bus or not, because, you know, after a long day, sometimes you just want to get in your bunk and go to sleep. And if I go on Micah's bus, I'm usually up at least two more hours and I'll laugh the whole time. My side will hurt and I'll be exhausted the next day. But yeah, he's just, he's just a good guy. He loves his, he loves his family. He's got some great kids, amazing wife. And, um, you know, he, I don't know how much you know about the United States, but he lives down near Houston. And um, they got hit a couple times with hurricanes and whatnot. And he just keeps gutting it out down there. I keep telling him to move to Nashville, but I'm afraid if he did, he'd buy a house next door to me and we'd just laugh all the time, never get any work done. <laughs> well, and, and why did you choose this particular track? It's called Difference. It was just the first, you know, just it has a lot of memories on him getting signed and, and uh, you know, one of, the, one of the first songs that he recorded once we got a record deal going. So I, uh, I'm a big fan of this song. And that was Difference by Micah Tyler, one of a number of great names that have been managed by the one and only Scott Brickle. And thanks so much to Scott for joining us today for the artist interview and telling us a bit of the inside story. And if you're interested in that book, it's called The Business Behind the Song by Scott Brickle, available now from all good booksellers, I hope. So anyway, um, just to say, it's a real joy. I'm really grateful that you've joined us on the show today. There is a podcast that you can go onto. Hop onto your favourite podcast platform and search up the artist interview. It's the one with the red logo. Um, search up, and if you if you do us a favour, maybe subscribe, follow, like, whatever your options are, and if possible, leave a review. Five stars would be nice, but be honest. I, I don't want you to lie about it. But if you've enjoyed it, give us five stars because it helps other people find it. And why not share it with your friends as well? It's been my joy to be your host today. I'm Gordon T. And I look forward to being with you on the next episode of The Artist Interview. God bless. You've been listening to The Artist Interview, a Hope FM podcast. Find us at hopefm.com forward slash The Artist Interview.